welcome back to the weekly Trusted Visions podcast. We're going to continue our May series of talking and breaking down the advantages and disadvantages of each channel within the financial services industry in the broker-dealer world. And this is probably at least one of my favorite because I spent the majority of my time in this space being the independent broker-dealer space. And as we've done in previous weeks talking about the advantages and disadvantages, we're going to break this one down to talk about the advantages and disadvantages, as well as who's the right fit for the independent broker-dealer model. And then we're going to take it one step further to really break down the differences in the independent broker-dealer model, because it's a lot different in this channel than the wirehouse or financial institutions channel, because not only do you have to look at the advantages and disadvantages, but you also have to break down ownership structure and things to think about. So Sean, David, thank you for joining me on this week's podcast. Greatly appreciate your expertise. I, I think, Sean, I, I hope I speak correctly that you've spent the good majority of your career in this space as well, as well as you, David. So this is one of the most fun ones. Um, and then <laughs> next week, we'll wrap it up with the, the last channel being the RIA channel. So, David, I'm going to kick it off to you and speak of first advantages of the independent broker-dealer space for advisors, OSJs, or enterprises, and then we'll, we'll kick it back to you for the disadvantages. You bet. You bet. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, first and foremost, the independence channel is what you get, independence. That's probably <laughs> the biggest thing that you're going to have out there, and the word, the, the word speaks for itself on that side. But really what it comes down to is when you look at the independent channel, it gives you control, and it gives you control from the top down. Uh, when you look at trying to build your own business, just like any other business out there, as an independent contractor, as an independent financial advisor, you have the availability to go out there and build what you want to build. It gives you the availability to control your practice and also gives you the availability to specialize in something you're good at. Every financial advisor has their specialty. They're really good at certain things. They, they like financial planning. They like the investment side of it. There's a lot of different avenues you can take as an independent um, independent planner. So you get the, the availability to customize, specialize, and work with the clients you want to work with. You're not forced to work with a, a book of business that you either inherited or purchased or what have you. It really gives you, it's going to give you the, the availability to do it the way you want to do it. So it gives you a tremendous amount of control. And ownership is a big deal. When you look at trying to build your own business, you're trying to build something of value and your clients are that. Your clients are the value, they're the bread and butter of what you put together when it comes to your independent practice. And it's going to give you the availability to continue to hold on to those clients and own that book. And that's a, that's a huge value when it comes to uh, building it independently on that side of it, uh, because it depends on where you want to go. You get to control what broker dealer you work with, and that's where we come in, uh, trying to find the right partner to work with, whether you're working with an OSJ or other avenues. Uh, you're going to have the avail availability to really take control over who you're working with, how you want to work with those business partners, and then even to the product side of it. You get to decide what products you want to sell, what wholesalers you want to talk to, and it really gives you that entrepreneurial uh, approach. This is your business. You get to run it the way you want. If you want to run it and uh, you have your own, your own office and build your own staff and build out a larger branch, you have the capabilities to do that. Or if you just want to be a, a sole independent uh, advisor out there running your practice the way you want to, it gives you 
it gives you all the luxuries of doing in everything that you'd like to do. And I know, Sean, on your side of it, you you guys have done a ton on the independent side of the world. You got anything to add on that? No, I think you touched on some great points there. Um, and, and, you know, I do believe that, you know, the independent platform, as Jeremy mentioned, is one of the best platforms out there because it's pretty clear cut. <laughs> you know, it's not a lot of uh, hidden uh, surprises there. It's, it's business ownership at its finest. But, Dave, I think you did a great job of presenting that. And um, and uh, thank you for it. Perfect. Yeah, and Perfect. I think, David, one thing, you know, in terms of when you say independent and flexibility, I mean, even if you want to evolve to, hey, I want to set up my own RA and be a hybrid with that independent model, you have that flexibility where some of the other channels we've spoke about, they typically don't give you that type of flexibility. So it's, it is true independence of building it the way that you desire. And if, if you want to be a business owner and take ownership of it, it gives you that capability. So, David, I'm going to pick on you one more time with this <laughs> podcast. Of I figure if you did advantages, you might as well do disadvantages. So, can you speak a little bit to the disadvantages of the independent model? Um, and again, I know we're somewhat biased, um, so that, that might be a shorter a shorter spiel of of the disadvantages. But can you speak to the disadvantages? Absolutely. And it's some of the same advantages really spill right into the disadvantages. Uh, being able to build your own business and be an entrepreneur is not for everybody. And that's probably one of the biggest disadvantages. Right. When you're looking at trying to build your own independent book, it's like building your own business. You've got tax things to consider. You've got everything runs on your plate. You're a business owner, sales manager, financial advisor, HR. You are everything and everyone. And you're responsible for paying rent uh, on your establishment, internet, cable, uh, anybody that you get on as far as staff, that becomes solely your responsibility. And that's by far one of the biggest disadvantages. A lot of people, uh, I've worked with a lot of different advisors out there. It doesn't make them good, bad, or indifferent whether they have that gene or basically have that capability of being that entrepreneur. Uh, it doesn't make you a, a great financial advisor either way or a bad financial advisor. It's just that's not the skill set you're good at. You want to be a financial advisor. That's where your focus wants to be. And being a small business owner, it, it will take you off, will take your eye off of that ball. So it it is a challenge in a lot of cases of either finding the right people to work with you to take some of that off your plate. Uh, but that's hardcore, one of the biggest disadvantages on that side. And then anytime you're not an independent, Anytime you're doing any one of the other, uh, uh, you know, affiliations, whether you're a wirehouse and things like that, we talk about some of those disadvantages. You start losing some control. Now you have to kind of adhere to the rules or uh, adhere to product providers or a different RA providers. You, you relinquish a little bit of control, but on that side of it too, you're also going to the, the disadvantages. If you're not 100% independent, your payouts are going to be affected. By everything that they do right. to support right. you, whether you're paying for that yourself or not, uh, if they're helping you uh, with your business and supporting you and building a branch and you have to adhere to that. And in most cases, your payouts are lower. So that's one of the disadvantages is uh, the, the payouts. You're going to lose a little bit of control, but it may, um, you know, and, and some people uh, that the, the entrepreneurial spirit just they, they can't sleep at night when other people are telling them what they can and can't do. <laughs> Uh, some people really want that control and they want to specialize in what they want to specialize in and they don't want to be forced to sell products. Um, 
um, services or anything else that just doesn't fit well in, in inside their particular mold. And that's you know really the ten thousand foot goal of uh, view from that one. It's just you lose control. Uh, payouts are going to be different, uh, and the, the disadvantages is the just mirrors the advantages in a lot of cases. Is what I always say. Right. And, and Sean, I guess, you know, you've, you've worked with a lot of large OSJs and enterprises. And, and right. as David speaks to some of those disadvantages, what are your thoughts on those advisors that say, I don't want to run my own business. I don't want to, you know, have my own staff, but I do want that independence. What are your thoughts on them plugging into an existing OSJ or large enterprise to where they still have the independence, but yet they don't have to necessarily be true business owners of running their own business. Well, I've represented the independent model probably over the past 17, 18 years. And I will say there has been a substantial increase in the level of support and service that independent broker dealers provide that type of mindset. And that is in the form of the evolution of the OSJ enterprise. You know, you have OSJs now in, in, in 2021, and I started to see this more an uptick, probably around 2015, where they'll even provide an advisor with the office space for, for a payout. Uh, you know, obviously it, it'll be a reduction in payout, but they'll still provide with an office space. I, I know OSJs out there that I've worked with that have assistants that would devote some of their time to help an advisor. Um, you know, I have OSJs or work with OSJs that provide marketing opportunities that'll help an advisor build a website. So all of the things that, you know, maybe an advisor would be tasked to do, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it can be off offloaded by some of these OSJs out there. So there has been an evolution in that space. And, yeah, I think it's worthwhile for any uh, advisor who is considering this affiliation model that may be on the fence to definitely investigate an OSJ or enterprise model for sure. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, as we've worked with a lot of advisors that have plugged into those enterprises or OSJs, I, I think that's where teams like Trusted Visions really come into play. And I think you spoke about this a few weeks ago, David, of there's also things to look out for or investigate when you're looking at different OSJs or enterprises and the way they're structured and the way that their contract is, because you don't want to get a sit while you're independent, you don't want to get in a situation where you can't get out of it. Right. You think you're independent, but you're really not. So right. uh, maybe that'll be a topic for next month. But <laughs> with that, David, thank you for, for the advantages and disadvantages. Similar to previous weeks, Sean, if you want to talk about uh, a little bit about who fits the independent broker dealer model from an advisor OSJ or enterprise standpoint? Like who is the ideal fit that should be considering that model? Sure, sure. Well, throughout my years of experience, I've had the great opportunity to work with many um, uh, captive, I'll just say captive advisors that have made the transition to independence. So with your question, I want to answer them by just providing my experience. I think that will be helpful for the listener. So I would say the number one challenge when I'm working with a, an advisor, and when you ask the question, what advisors are fit? Um, the number one challenge and what I believe the advisor should have to be a fit to, to go independent is that entrepreneurial mindset. I know Dave touched on it. Um, you know, as an independent advisor, you are truly your own boss. 
and our responsibilities are not limited to just walking in a beautiful office space and, and serving your clients from, from eight to five. You know, you, you're going to be there long hours, uh, light bills, P&L, even cleaning restrooms in some case will become, you know, your, your job per se. And if you grow at a substantial pace, as Dave mentioned there, you could be looking at employees, um, and, you know, becoming responsible for other people, uh, payroll, et cetera. However, with that said, uh, you know, you know, most independent broker leaders do provide that support to assist. So that is, in my experience, that was the, the hurdle, right? And that's how I determined, okay, if this advisor was a good fit. If we could not get over that independent hurdle, which is all the responsibilities I just mentioned, some of the responsibilities Dave just mentioned, we kind of ended it on the first call that this may not be the avenue to take. However, an advisor that is a fit, they want that uh, you know uh, independence, and they're okay with those responsibilities. Um, I would also say an advisor that is truly a fit for independent is one that wants a substantial, unlimited income potential. Now, I'll preface that by saying, what advisor doesn't want that, right? <laughs> I think every advisor wants unlimited <laughs> income potential. However, uh, just to be clear, at a W two firm where the advisor is an employee you're typically at a 30, 40% payout. However, benefits, office space, sometimes financial assistance could be included with the less payout. As an independent, some payouts are up to 95%. And typically after expenses, uh, you're netting 70% or higher in some cases, just hypothetically speaking. So there's a substantially more you know, opportunity for you to enhance your income. There are risks associated with that. However, uh, the risk typically, you know, overplays the, the reward there. I would say 95% of the advisors that I recruited, 95% I know is an aggressive number, but I would say 95% of the advisors I recruited from the captive space who met that criteria, who made the transition to independent, independence are still independent. And, and the comment that I would hear often is I should have done this starting out or I should have done this 20 years ago. Um, you know, another, I guess another point as to what advisors are fit is something Dave mentioned, you know, flexibility to serve your clients and, and offer uh, customization as far as uh, client offerings. You know, I've heard from so many advisors when I was recruiting, you know, the advisor from the wirehouse uh, that, you know, I feel limited. And what I can offer my client, I, I just I feel like if I had a different uh, scenario, I could just you know be more uh, flexible with what I can offer, and that is indeed true. As an independent, you do have more flexibility to alter your offerings to find the best products for your clients. Uh, this allows the advisor to adapt, you know, their advising strategy to truly fit you know the client's need. Um, another topic I just want to touch on, and I don't want to take up too much time here. It, it, this is for the listener. I know that, you know, uh, if, uh, if you're thinking about production requirements, I honestly don't think there's a production requirement. I, I really believe that the, the entrepreneurial mindset outweighs the production requirement. Um, as we mentioned, as Jeremy mentioned uh, earlier, Dave, as well, you know, you have enterprises now, even if you're a $100,000 producer but you're adamant about becoming an independent advisor and being a business owner, there are opportunities for you through some of these affiliation models within the independent channel. So just from my experience, those are some of the key you know, bullet points that I believe an advisor must have 
or must want or aspire, you know, for uh, to become a successful independent advisor. Perfect. Thank you, Sean. So with that, let's move on. And this is a little bit different in the independent channel than the wirehouse or, or financial institutions of other things to think about. Because with financial institutions and wirehouse, it's pretty much similar with one firm to the next. With independence, some other things that I think you really need to think about is first and foremost, ownership structure. And you know, when I say ownership structure, how is that broker-dealer owned or structured? Is it owned by private equity? And, and not saying private equity is bad, but you have to go into it with the understanding as an advisor, OSJ or enterprise, as being part of private equity, you are going to be sold at some point in time. It's not a matter of if, it's just when. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. There are broker-dealers out there that have been owned by private equity there's few of them that have been sold and they kept everything virtually the same and added enhancements. However, there's also private equity ownership out there within the independent broker dealer space to where they start rolling broker dealers up into one, which changes the culture of the firm that you were accustomed to, changes you know the service levels. And so that's where a firm like Trusted Visions can help you navigate. There's also some, and they're becoming less and less, broker-dealers that are owned privately. Well, what is the succession plan of those broker-dealers? Are they planning to continue to build up and sell? Um, So understanding if you're going down that space of the independent broker-dealer space of what that ownership structure looks like. In addition to that, understanding while you're independent, there's there's some firms that don't provide the flexibility. You can have your own RAA, but yet you can't custody assets away from the custodians they use. Um, some broker dealers say, hey, you can have your own RAA and you can custody assets with TD or Schwab or, or whoever it may be. And so understanding that. And then lastly, I think another thing to consider is, is do they have the flexibility for some of the advisors that say, hey, I want to be affiliated with that broker dealer, but yet at some point in time, I want to go RAA only but I don't want to go away from that broker dealer. And so while there's a lot of different options and and David and and Sean, as you said, there's a tremendous amount of flexibility in the independent broker dealer space. It could become overwhelming if you're not thinking about some of those other items that you don't have available in the other channels we spoke about. So anything to add there, David, Sean? Yes, I would say there, when you look at independence, it's not, on or off. It's either you are independent or you're not independent. When you look at the independent side of it, there's levels of independence. And we've we've talked a lot about that is, you know, a lot of people look at independence is, oh, I've got all of this and everything runs into my plate. When you're looking at independence, there's a lot of different levels. And sometimes it's, whether it's independence with the broker dealer, like you said, whether you want to run your own RIA, and independence when it comes to working with an OSJ or a branch, an enterprise or a small partnership, a CPA firm, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can basically slice up the independence world. And that's where it gets complicated is saying, what are the things I do want to take on as far as responsibility to myself? What are some of the things I would like to get off of my plate right. and find a partner that helped me make that happen? So there's a tremendous amount of flexibility on that side to find the level of independence you want. And that's why working with, you know, Sean, myself, uh, anybody at Trusted Visions, it gives you the availability to really digest that. 
right? How, what's that level of independence I want? I want to be hundred uh, percent or I just want to find a partner who's going to help me offload some of the things I'm not, I really do not want to do. Uh, find somebody to get that done and it, it makes your life a whole lot easier. Right. Uh, agreed. I, I look at the independent model as a mile long buffet of <laughs> different selections where right. it can become right. pretty overwhelming. Like you said, David, of you can offload with many of these independent broker dealers, the HR function, you can offload, you know, the, the building out an office. So it, 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 I always advise advisors to make the transition after they've realized the broker dealer that makes the most sense for them and then start uncovering all the different options that you have, because that can become overwhelming in itself. And we didn't even touch on the technology offerings of all the different offerings you have for financial planning tools or, you know, analytics or any of that. So anything, anything, either one of you want to add uh, before we close out this week? Okay. Well, Thank you, everybody that that is listening to this podcast. We look forward to any feedback you have. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to comment on our LinkedIn page or email us at info at trustedvisions.com. Next week, we will roll into the final segment of this, which is probably one of those most more controversial sides being the RIA side um, and, and talk about that. Thank you again, Sean and David, for taking part of this. We look forward to next week's.